perfectly. I had no idea you guys were going to sing that, Brother Tim. Thank you, choir. Amazing. Take your Bibles and look at 2 Kings chapter 6 with me. I appreciate the opportunity to preach. Uh, pastor asked me a couple of weeks ago to fill in for him today. He knew he'd be pushing him to get back, and it's tough to appreciate a week of vacation when you have to prepare for a message. I know the pastor, everything he does, he does extremely well. He does to perfection, and he puts a lot of hours in a message, and his family needed him this week to be able to enjoy themselves. Thank you, Pastor Yancey, for all you give to Faith Baptist Church. Thank you, Brother Andrew, for filling in Wednesday night. I took a lot out of that. Um, I used some of that from Wednesday until today in my own life with application. Thank you. Appreciate you filling in. I'd like to bring a message this morning from 2 Kings chapter 6. Beginning in verse number 1, it says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And Elisha answered, I will go. So Elisha went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God, Elisha, said, Where fell it? And he showed Elisha the place, and Elisha cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said Elisha, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. That axe hand is safe. That axe head is safe in the hand of that man, wouldn't you say? I thank you, Tim, again. goes right along with what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray. Father, we need some help today to look into these murky waters and to see some things down deep below. Lord, we may need some encouragement. We may need some challenges today. We may need some courage. Lord, we may need some change in our lives. Convict us as we need today as we hear your word. Send us out different than when we came in, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The New Testament equivalent to this passage could very well be the parable in Luke chapter 15 where it says, A woman lost one of her ten pieces of precious silver. She stopped her whole life. She swept her house clean until she found that coin. And when she found it, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15, that she celebrated with her friends and family. But by the time we get to Luke chapter 15 in verse number 10, this passage of Scripture tells us it had nothing at all to do with a coin that was lost. Because verse number 10 says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. It had nothing to do with the coin. It had everything to do with you the day you got saved and heaven went crazy about it. Because you were lost and now you're found again. The passage in 2 Kings chapter 6 tells us about a man 
who took it upon himself to go help out around the church. That's all he wanted to do was volunteer his time, his energies. He borrowed an axe and he went to work chopping wood for all he's worth. I see the man working his guts out for the glory of the Lord in his little ministry helping out. But wouldn't you know it? Adversity comes knocking on his front door. For whatever reason, the axe head was loose or the handle broken, causing the axe head to fly off and land in, of all places, the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is known for being muddy. It's known for being deep in that area where they were working. It's known for having a dangerous current. And just like that, as quickly as this man started serving the Lord, his ministry is brought to a screeching halt. Pastor Yancey mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you do anything great. You set out to do anything for the Lord. And adversity is very close. He used the examples of Sanballat and Tobiah and how they came against Nehemiah as soon as he set out to rebuild that wall. Adversities remind me of the muddy Jordan River in this passage in 2 Kings. Adversities flow like a raging river very close to every ministry here at Faith Baptist Church. You don't have to look far to the left or to the right if you're striving and serving the Lord. That Jordan River is flowing 24, 7, 365 days a year. If you don't believe me, what I'm saying about adversity, grab an axe and go to work in any ministry here at Faith Baptist Church. And you will immediately start to hear the waters around you and that river just waiting. It wants to grab your axe when you're just getting started. And it wants to take what you've set out to do for the Lord and drown it out. I'll say this. Every person who goes to work doing anything around here is subject to be halted by the Jordan rivers of life. Make no mistake, they were flowing before you started in ministry. They'll be flowing continuously the whole time we're in ministry. And when our ministry is successful, they will still be flowing beside us. They're close by, waiting to swallow up anything good we can do. That's why Paul the Apostle penned down these words in Romans chapter 7 and verse number 21. He said, I find in the law that when I would do good, everybody in here can finish the verse, evil is present with me. It's unavoidable. Just like gravity for this axe head. Everywhere we go, there's gravity in there. Everywhere we go, aren't we being stuck to the earth? Jump off from 10 foot high, what's going to happen? It's going to hurt when you hit because the law of gravity applies. Do good, evil present. I'll also say that every person in this place this morning is either acting like a Jordan River and pulling others down. I want to rephrase this. I also say that every person in this place is like a Jordan River and we are pulling others down or we are like Elisha and we're going around and we're lifting others up. 
would to God that we listened to every word that came out of our mouth before we ever said it. And judged it in the scales of the word of God and said, God, am I going to push that axe head back down with this comment? Or am I going to help that axe head be elevated back where it needs to be? Pay close attention today, this afternoon, no matter who you're around and no matter the conversation. Go ahead and drop that negative comment and watch its effects on that person. Contrast that with a compliment and sit back and watch their reaction. It will be plainly visible to these two eyes. We're always either pulling others down like the Jordan River or we're lifting others up like Elisha did. I prayed and asked the Lord for some clarity surrounding this passage of Scripture and some liberty to preach it, how God gave it to me over the past couple of weeks. And it's titled this morning. If you've got your bulletin in the back of your bulletin, there's a little tiny outline of some of the thoughts that I'll share this morning. The message is titled, Stick Them Up. <laughs> Stick Them Up. We see in this passage the man who lost the axe head as he goes to Elisha to tell him about his dilemma. What we see next is a calm Elisha who seemingly has a plan of action as soon as he hears about the problem. And what he begins to do makes no sense to the man that has lost the axe head. Elisha goes to the edge of the woods and begins to cut down a stick. I can hear the man who lost the axe head with his panicked voice. What are you doing? Are, are you going to make a fishing pole and try to fish it out? Or are you, are you going to try to drag it out with that stick? What you don't realize, Elisha, is it, it's too deep for any of that. that that's not going to work. What are you going to do with that stick, Elisha? Whenever I act like that around my son-in-law Alex over here, He always has a saying, calm down, grasshopper. I've got it under control. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Calm down. Modern day Elisha, by the way. It's not written in this passage of scripture, but it's what Elisha was planning to do. So I don't have any problem reading between the lines right here. Maybe Elisha responded to the man something like this. Uh, hand me that stick, David, right there. Just let me use that for an example, please, sir. I, I don't know what that stick looked like he cut down. I just know he went and cut down a stick. And now he's got that uh, stick in his hand, and he's headed toward that water. And uh, the man may have asked him, what you going to do? Elisha may have said, I'm going to take this stick over here near the water's edge. If you show me about where it fell in, I'm going to take this stick and I'm going to chunk it out there in the water just above where you feel like it sunk. And that axe head is going to be attracted to this stick and it's going to respond by floating to the surface. Now, if you're that man and you're hearing that story, where are you at in your mentality at this moment? I think them people in that day were just as normal as you and me, and they thought just like you and me, and they weren't some super spiritual giants. It's like, okay, awesome, woo-wee, this is good. 
I think he went to the water's edge with some doubt and fretting. And I want to redirect your thinking for just a moment to the title of Stick Them Up. What's the first thing that you do when you hear and feel something in your back at the same time and you hear a voice that says, Stick Them Up? Show me what you do immediately. <laughs> you raise your hands and surrender. The axe head is lying on the bottom of that river, seemingly worthless and lost for good. Upon seeing that stick tossed in the water above it, defied all logic, it defied gravity, it defied current, it defied all physics, and every other power that was working against it as it began to rise up to the surface. It was attracted to that stick. Our goals after hearing the message today I hope are to be modeled after Elisha's goal that day. And that is to do whatever it takes to draw others back up who have succumbed to the Jordan rivers of life. Until the day comes when they defy all logic and overcome every power that's holding them down. And they come back up to the surface where you saw them leave from and float again. 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse number 5 tells us that the axe fell into the water, and obviously, based on the reaction of the man who borrowed it, it was in a precarious place, in the river where it was going to be humanly impossible to retrieve it. Well, Elisha saw or knew something about retrieving that axe that the man didn't. And by the way, if you look, look at verse number 4 of this passage in 2 Kings chapter number 6, I saw something that caught my attention this week. It says that Elisha went with them when they came to Jordan. And who cut down wood? They cut down wood. I don't believe for one moment that Elisha wasn't swinging his own axe. You're not going to convince me otherwise. I don't believe for one moment that Elisha hasn't had experience with a failed axe handle before. I don't believe Elisha is unexperienced in the area of the head of an axe coming off. Everyone in here who has ever swung an axe before, you've experienced overswing and you fractured the handle, haven't you? You swung an axe and you just, you, just, you just barely miss what you're cutting and you start getting these little bitty fractures. And, and they're a little bigger next time you do it. And they, and they hurt your hand really bad too by the time that, that thing comes, that splinter and that crack comes all the way up to the handle. You do that enough and you're going to eventually fling the head off the end of that handle. I have so many tools in my shop that I haven't taken care of that look like that. I abuse them. I use them. I overswing them. I fail to sharpen them. I, I have one in particular that I thought about. This guy right here, I need him so much. It's got a rubber, a hard plastic end on it, and it's got a steel end on it. And I can hit stuff really hard that I need to. And, and, and then when I go to... I go to swinging it. That joker does that every single time I pull it out of the drawer. Every time. I don't mean every other time. Every time I need it, that's what it does. And you know what I do? I'm just me. Y'all be you, okay? I use that S-T-U-P-I-D word on it. And I hit it a couple times because I don't have time to deal with that right now. Junky piece of junk. And I finish what I'm doing and put it on one or two more times. I throw it back in the drawer. This is over a year of doing that, and it's not repaired yet. 
Y'all got one of these in your shop, men? Something like this that just... Did it let me down? Or did I let it down? Just a thought. Just a thought. I'll tell you what it is. It's laziness. It's lack of respect for my tools. It's not caring for what I have. Whatever you name it, the man in our story is guilty of being me with that hammer right there. He ain't got time to do the most important thing in life. And that's stop and repair and fix and then go on with the work. He's guilty. I'm guilty. Everybody in this room is guilty in our own way, metaphorically speaking, of doing that right there. And we end up with an axe handle that won't hold the head of an axe. Let me say this while I'm thinking about it. It is awesome. It is great to have a pastor of this church who is swinging his own axe for everything he's got. He works his gut out. Drop a ministry on him, and he'll go right beside you and start cutting logs with you in that ministry. Thank you, Pastor Yancey, for always going all in. I think equally great is the fact that he's not standing in some super spiritual place where you have to be intimidated to talk to him about an area that you have failed in. Like Elisha, I believe Elisha has got failure experience in himself, as does everyone in here. No matter how high you may have someone on a pedestal, believe it or not, they have failure in their past. Don't ever be too ashamed to go to the man or woman of God and talk to them and lay on somebody that you trust a burden without fear of retribution or being chewed out. This man could have easily have talked himself out of going to the man of God and laying this burden on him because Elisha could really lay into him. Well, what were you thinking was going to happen, man? I was watching you over there overswinging. I mean, you, your handle's all fractured up. I mean, the, the head on that thing's loose. You, it's a wonder you didn't kill anybody in this process. Elisha could have come back with a thousand different things. But what did Elisha do when he heard it? Went straight to the woods, cut down a stick, and went to work helping the man. Thank you, Pastor Yancey, for always stopping what you're doing and not chewing me out when I lay junk on your desk. And you put me back to work. We need men and women like that in our lives that take time out and stop and help us because they have failure in their past. I prayed for God to let me look at this passage with polarized glasses on and see what I've never seen before. I wanted to see through the murky waters of Jordan and learn something about this fallen axe head. I don't believe that God just recorded this passage for our entertainment and reading. I believe there is personal application for every single passage in the Word of God. And if we'll pray about it before we read about it, God will open that thing up and show you some things that you've never seen before. Polarized glasses. I didn't know this till I just took a little study on it this week. But polarized glasses, they have a filter that creates vertical openings for light. Only light rays that approach polarized glasses uh, from a vertical point of view, can fit through those openings. The lenses block all the horizontal light waves bouncing off or a smooth pond, a shiny pond, or a glass surface. 
Fishermen use these all the time so they can look through the surface of the water and see just below the surface and see things that you can't when you're fishing with them and you didn't take your polarized glasses. I want us all to slip these on, spiritually speaking, for just a few moments this morning. Put those glasses on and ask God, block out some of the horizontal stuff that's blocking the vertical from getting into my life this morning. God, I know you want to show me something, but I'm thinking about everything there is in the world other than this at this moment. Can you help me to not see that stuff this morning and see what you have for me to see? Put them things on, they work. Every time we open God's Word, we need to see ourselves in whatever passage we happen to be reading. Here's what I was seeing with the natural eye when I began to study this. And it had me puzzled. It had me perplexed because I knew I was going to preach. And Lord, you got to give this to me. For one, it says the axe head came off the handle in verse number 5 of 2 Kings chapter 6. Yet in verse number 6, rather than chunking the wooden handle in the water that the axe came off of, Elisha went and cut down a stick and threw it in the water. Why? I think there's some significance that we should see there. Then, next I see the man... I see the man chopping wood... And he was responsible for losing the axe head in verse number 5. Yet, in verse number 7, Elisha lets the man complete the miracle by reaching out with his hand to retrieve it. Why? Why let the guy be a part of it? He's a failure. Again, there's, I believe there's some significance that my physical eyes and mind couldn't see through. To figure it out. Then one of the more puzzling things that I saw was that an axe head fell in the water in verse number five. Look at verse number five. An axe head fell in the water in verse number five. Yet in verse number six, it says that the iron did swim. Axe head fell in. Iron swam out. What in the world? Lord, I can't see that. Open my eyes. I need what you have for me here. Finally, I had to ask the Lord. Is the axe in this passage just an axe head? And there was a miracle and the work went on? Or could it represent a person? Because the more I studied, the more I began to see with my vertical glasses on. I began to see through the murky waters of Jordan. And as I dove down to that axe head with my eyes, I began to see something etched on the head of that axe. And it was my name. I also noticed on the broken handle that whoever had wrote the name on the axe head had inscribed it on the handle as well, clearly written for all to see. Finally, as I begin to accuse this man of his waste of time and not taking care of what was entrusted to him, the Lord began showing me how many times my actions resembled his. I've been on the handle of an axe being used mightily of the Lord. 
And I've been on the bottom of the Jordan River wondering how God could ever find a way to use me again. I've been the strong axe handle. I've been the broken one. I've been the hand that has reached out and helped others. I've been the hand that had let others down in life. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Is that verse referring to an axe being sharpened? <laughs> no, it's referring to a man who needs to get brushed up against another godly friend and let that friend rub off on him a little bit. And when they both walk away from that situation, they both feel a little bit sharper because they're following after the Lord. And sometimes you need a friend. This passage is not about an axe or a handle or a hand. It's about us this morning. I believe that with all of my heart. I've got three things listed on the back of your bulletin this morning that I want to focus the message on. The first one is the handle of the axe. I want to talk about the first question that I had for a moment this morning. Why did Elisha cut down a stick and cast it into the water, and not the axe handle that it came off of. It's 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 6. The latter part of this verse says, He cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Why would the axe head be drawn to the stick so much so that it defied all logic and natural forces of current and gravity, physics? Everything fighting against it, yet it floated to the surface to meet that stick. What in the world? It puzzled me for several days. I finally did a word study to see where else in the Bible Acts was used in Scripture. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse number 5. In, in this verse, you'll see the very first mention of an Acts in the Word of God. It says, uh, As when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood, and his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the health. Now, you, you, I know this is King James language and it's 1611 and all that, but you know exactly what that just said. Jesus is talking about what to do if a man is swinging his axe and the head flies off of the health, which the health being what? The handle. Now, if you find the axe handle in this verse, that's what it's called, health. I'm just trying to find answers. I'm saying, Lord, float something to the surface. I've got to see something. So I'm laying in bed looking up Hebrew words. The Hebrew word for health is spelled E-S, kind of like the Spanish word S. But it has a strange pronunciation. It's pronounced eights. Eights, meaning... Axe handle. So, laying beside my wife in bed, she's over there trying to read a book. I'm, I'm hitting Strong's Concordance on my iPad. It's got a little volume button to tell you how the word sounds. So, I hit it one time, and it says Strong's H6086. Eights. Eights. I hit it again. Same thing. Eights. Eights. My wife's over there trying to read a book. I know what she's thinking. 
I know what she's thinking. You ate too much for breakfast. You ate too much for lunch. You ate too much for dinner. That's why you can't sleep and that's why you're fat. You ate too much. So you ass fat. (laughs) My study ended that night without any answers to why he chunked that stick in that water. A few nights later, we're laying in bed. I got this strong concordance out. And I'm doing word-by-word studies of 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 6. I want to see something vertically that I'm missing horizontally. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 6. It says, Elisha cut down a stick and cast it in thither. I'm doing a word-by-word Hebrew search. The word for stick here is, guess what? E-S. Bet you'll never guess how it's pronounced. <laughs> I thought it's got to be different. I mean, that's an axe handle over here. This is a stick over here. There's got to be some difference. So I'm hitting the volume button. Strong's Hebrew number 60868. I'm like, there's no way. I hit it again. I know my wife's over there thinking, this. go to sleep. I'm laying in bed quietly, but my inner man is rejoicing because the Lord is starting to show me some things vertically that I need to see for application here for my own life. Because God made a connection for me that night that allowed me to see something spiritually that can change me if I'm willing to let it. Now the horizontal is beginning to block out less of what I need to be seeing and my vertical view is beginning to see the Word of God like I need to see it for myself, not for a message, not for something to preach, but something I need in my own life for the time now. And when I searched that Hebrew word for stick, it brought me right back to the same Hebrew word, S, which is in the same root word for helv or axe handle in Deuteronomy 19.5. I don't have a whole lot of proof for what I'm about to say here other than the original Hebrew language and the way things went down in this story in 2 Kings 6. But I know this, Elijah didn't try to, Elisha did not try to talk that axe head up. He showed that axe head up. I made a note in your outline under this point that says, don't talk them up, show them up. Elisha could have spoken to the axe head. Just like Elijah did when he called down fire from heaven to consume the altars of Baal. But Elisha didn't try to talk the axe head up. He knew he wanted to show the axe head up. Ever heard the saying, talk is cheap? If you have ever been underwater, by the way, in your swimming pool or in the lake or anywhere, you can't hear what anybody's saying when you're down there. And such is the way of life when we're at our lowest points. People need to be showed back up to the surface, not talked back up to the surface. Show me how to get up. Don't tell me how to get up. In a time of downness, in a time of being underwater, in a time of sinking into the mire, we don't need fancy little acronyms and quaint little sayings. We need somebody to lead by example that's out in front of us. It says, this is the way. And I know the Spirit of the Lord can come behind and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. But isn't it good when a friend comes along with some true godly character that's been down that road and they led by example? Could it be that Elisha knew there would be no attraction at all from that 
axe head to that defective axe handle? Could it be that this is not the first time that handle has let that axe head down? Could it be that that original handle has breached its trust in that axe head? And that axe head would rather stay on the bottom of that Jordan River and rust away than to return to a handle that it cannot trust. You say, Paul, now this story's talking about an axe and a handle now. Don't get all crazy with all this metaphoric stuff. This is talking about my soul right here. This is talking to Paul Hutchins. This is me and you this morning. I believe it with everything that's in me. What are you saying, Paul? I'm saying that the axe head wants to be used, not abused. Elisha is showing that axe head its true potential with what I believe was a brand new strong handle. And that axe head was drawn to it. I'll say this while I'm right here. Whatever scripture you're studying, I don't care when anybody's preached, I just kept my mind out of what others have preached in this passage. I said, Lord, I need something right here. Will you give it to me? And the Lord gave me this stuff for me. And you can take it or leave it. I promise you, you won't offend me. But I will say this, when you're studying a passage of Scripture, God will use that passage in that moment and that time just for you, and He'll bring out stuff like that that can help you in your time. And it may not look just perfectly normal to everybody else around you, but thank God that His Word is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to cut us and help us. If beating them over the head with our failed handle, isn't working anymore. It may be time to toss in a different stick and try something that is more attractive to them. Dad, mom, husband, wife, student, employee, daughter, boss, teacher, grandparent, aunt, uncle, friend, every other person in here. Listen to what Elisha is saying this morning. If we want more out of the axe heads around us, they need to see in us a handle that they can trust. The axe head, if it could speak this morning, I believe it would say things like this. I just want to be productive. I just want to be sharpened every now and then. I just want you to be proud of me enough to take care of me. It wants us to give it a nickname. It wants us to cherish it. It wants us to chop wood and be respected. It wants to be cared for. It really wants to be appreciated and stored away when it's not in use. Would to God we could ever learn this principle in life. My children are not going to do what I say. My children are going to do what I do. If I want them to rise to the occasion, I must show them a handle that has risen to the occasion. Dad says, son, <coughs> don't ever start this habit. I wish I'd have never smoked that first cigarette. Six years later, he's sitting down with his son, and he's telling his son these words. Son... I guess you hung out with the wrong crowd. I told you if you run with dogs, you're going to get fleas. I told you not to smoke. What were you thinking? Parents may say, kids, go in the other room and play. This movie's for adults. A few years later, a parent may say to a middle schooler, why would you have that garbage on your phone? What were you thinking? 
Kids, Mom and I will be back around 10 tonight. There's some drinks on the top shelf. Leave those alone. Those are not for you. You're not old enough. Three years later, son, why would you sneak around and drink that? You've embarrassed your mom and I. We are so disappointed in you that you got pulled over by the law and you're facing a DUI. There are times in life when we need to cut down some sticks and take our children to the woodshed and teach them some life lessons. Only I'm not talking about beating some sense into them. Because there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 13 where it talks about correcting a child with a rod. But let's don't let our broken handle of a parent try to attract a child back to what we're not. They've learned that they can't trust the handle anymore. We can't use foul language at home and then sit in the principal's office at school and ask our child what they were thinking. We flung them into the Jordan River. And sooner or later, they're going to quit floating to the surface in the Jordan River because they're not attracted to a broken handle. Our kids are not stupid. They have eyes and ears and they have actions to follow what they learn. It's a hard truth we need to hear this morning. We gave them the short end of the stick. We shafted them. We came up short. We let them down. So what we need to do is take them out behind the woodshed in private rather than to do it in public. And we need to take our handle out and say, Son, you were in the principal's office today because I let you down at home. And I'm not going to do that again. I've learned my lesson. Son, this is what I'm going to start giving you from here on. I'm going to start working on my handle to give you something better. You deserve better. That can be a friend. That can be an employee. That can be anybody in the building this morning. We can do better. Who can improve this morning? Every one of us can improve. I don't know how much time passed when the man told Elisha that he lost that axe head. And by the time Elisha went and cut down that stick. I don't know how long it took him to cut that stick. But I'm telling you this morning, I wouldn't be surprised when Elisha picked that stick up and took that stick from the edge of the woods. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't have a tool and he was beginning to cut away at that stick to make it look like a handle. Something that would be attractive again. And I need the Lord in my life to come in my life and, and, and just whittle on me a little bit. Because too many days I wake up and go through my day looking exactly like that. And I haven't made any commitments to those around me. I'm going to be better tomorrow than I was today. I don't know what that stick looked like when it went in. I'm telling you what I see in my soul and in my mind. I see an axe handle going in that water. I don't see a stick going in that water. Hebrew language kind of proves that. I love where the Bible says in Genesis chapter 42, verse 17 and 18, Joseph's brothers came to him after they had treated him wrong, throwed him in the pit, sold him into slavery. Years later, they come begging him for food and don't even know it's him. I think Joseph, when he put them in prison for three days, he had to correct some things in his own life because he was broken in his own way and he was hurt. And if he had dealt with them the day they bowed down before him, it would have been ugly and somebody would have got hurt. But he put him in prison for three days. And then it says in verse number uh, 18 of Genesis chapter 42 that he brought them out of prison and said, This do, for I fear God. He made some changes in his own life before he proceeded with correcting someone else. Would to God I saw myself as I really am. Every single time I go to correct somebody else for who they are. Maybe if I showed them something better, maybe they would change and want to be the better. And I don't want to be that. 
Why is the axe head the most valuable thing we have when it's on the bottom of a river somewhere? Why are we willing to do whatever it takes to get the axe head back rather than to do whatever it takes to keep the axe head on the handle? Metaphorically, we need to start changing our handles today into what God would have us to be and change out the mess that we made us into be. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Don't worry about going around here trying to make your axe handle look like somebody else's axe handle because you got them on a pedestal. Go to the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the axe handle we need to be modeling ourselves after. And start trimming according to that. You'll come out okay, I promise. We'll come out okay. Mama used to always say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Let's don't talk them up with our words. Let's show them up with our actions. Do whatever it takes to float them back to the surface. Let's look at our second point this morning. It's in your bulletin. I want to look at the hand on the axe. The hand on the axe. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 7. It says, Therefore said he, Take it to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. I asked this question when we started this morning. The man chopping wood was responsible for losing that axe head in verse number 5. Yet in verse number 7, Elisha lets the man complete the miracle by reaching out his hand to retrieve it. Why? I made a note under point number 2 and it says, This is a stick up. No, is this a stick up or a hold up? In the criminal world, if you walk up behind somebody and poke them in the back and you tell them to stick them up, you have their surrender, you have their hands in the air. But your hands are still empty at that moment as a thief. But if you stick them up and then you hold them up, you get all the goods from them in the process. That's what the message is about this morning. We don't just need to stick people back up to the surface. We need to hold them up in church. We need to hold them up in our family. We need to keep them up. And when they're up, we can get the best from them. They have the best to offer when they're on the surface and back on land again and working for the Lord. When they're underwater, they don't have anything to give. Don't just stick them up. I believe it's what God wants from every person in this place this morning. No matter the ministry, no matter the call, no matter the need around here, I believe God's got people that he wants to bring to the surface and put to work for the glory of the Lord. What good is a stick-up if it's not a hold-up? What good is it if the axe swims for just a few moments and the man doesn't reach out with his hand and grab it? If we want the best out of others, we need to get in the habit of holding them up. Under point number two in your bulletin this morning, it reads, don't show them up, hold them up. Don't just show them up, hold them up. The man who lost the axe was trusted to retrieve the axe with his own hand. It's one thing to stick them up, it's another altogether to hold them up. And what I'm saying is by some miracle, there may be somebody that was brought into the house of God only because they were attracted by another Christian to be here. They may be on the bottom of the Jordan River. They may have failed. They may, maybe somebody else failed them and they're here. And maybe the Lord is challenging us just to reach out and grab them before they sink again. You see it in families. You see it in workplaces. You see it at church. It's a life thing. It's not a church thing. When that axe head swam to the surface... 
Isn't it logical to think that it might sink again at any moment and the man of God ought to reach out his hand like right now? Isn't that the way the Lord works? When he calls on you to move, you move now. You ever had a door closed in your life because you didn't move now? Yes, we all have. One day not too long ago, every person in this room this morning was at the bottom of our own Jordan Rivers. And what did God do for us? You say, well, I ain't never been on the bottom of Jordan River. Well, I'll tell you what, if I had a big old white marker board up here this morning, you had a big old fat black marker in your hand, and I gave one to everybody in the room, who's going to be the first volunteer to come up here and write your failure on it? Who's going to be the one to come up here and write your deepest, darkest secret sin that nobody else in this building knows about today? Who's going to do that? Nobody's going to volunteer for that. That's because we were all filthy and nasty and lost in our sins out here in the world, living like the devil. In Isaiah 52, 10, it's a unique verse. It says, The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. For the children of Israel, God rolled up his sleeve, he says it, and reached in and saved them time after time after time again. He's grabbed his axe heads, and he did for us, Exactly what he did for the children of Israel. He rolled up his sleeve and reached into our ugly Jordan River and he saved us. He reached out his hand to the woman taken in adultery. He reached out his hand to the man with leprosy. He reached out his hand to Judas in the garden. When Judas betrayed him with a kiss, Jesus reached out his hand and called him friend. He reached out his hand as Peter was sinking in the sea and pulled him to safety. The man in 2 Kings had some choices to make. He could call that axe head every name in the book while reaching for it. He could grill it for being a failure. He could ask it a thousand questions as to why it fell off that handle again. He could remind it that this is not the first time that this has happened and it probably won't be the last. I believe any of those actions on his part I believe we would be reading a different story here. I believe the axe head would have recoiled and sunk back to where it came from. It'd rather be in despair than to be helped by someone with that attitude. Or the man could just simply reach out and take it and restore it to the best handle ever made and go back to work like it never happened. If God reached out and erased that white marker board for every one of us, when he stretched his arm out on Calvary's cross. What makes us think that he can't erase theirs? If he floated us to the surface on our Jordan River, what makes us think that he can't float them to the surface on their Jordan River? But you don't know, you don't know, you don't know how bad it is. I know one thing, I know how strong his arm is, and I know when he rolls it up and reaches in there, he's willing to get that arm right there dirty for you and me, and he'll get it dirty for anybody else that comes along to you. Ain't nothing going to scare Jesus. It might scare the disciples around Jesus, but you ain't going to scare Jesus. Told you all that ass fat. <laughs> oh, probably lost my microphone there. Oh, boy. Galatians 6 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Let's don't talk them up. 
Let's don't just show them up. When they float to the surface, let's, let's hold them up. Let's all work together and help hold some people up. Let's just hold some people up around here. Finally, I want to talk about the third question I had this morning. An axe head fell in the water in our text in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 5. Yet in verse number 6, it says the iron did swim. Axe head went in. Iron swam out. Why? Look at your third point in the bulletin. It says the head of the axe. The axe head fell in, but iron swam out. I don't want us just to show them up. I don't want us just to hold them up. I think we ought to build them up. Tim, come on up and play. start playing on the piano, please. If you're in the building, um, come on up and start playing some music for the, for the invitation time, please. Every one of us ought to be an axe head on the handle of the master's axe. We should be the sharpest employee on our job. We should be the sharpest parent for our children. We should be producing beams for the building of the kingdom of God. But what I want to remind every one of us is that we were at one time a chunk of iron. We were made into an axe head from raw materials. Now I'll say this this morning. Not every chunk of iron is made into an axe head. But every axe is made from a chunk of iron. We don't need to get far from that thought because every single person in the room this morning is prone to failure. A few moments out there in the bottom of that Jordan River and we'll see just how far we can sink. How far we can drift and how quick we will rust. Go ahead, Tim. We go from axe to iron a whole lot faster than we went from iron to axe. The Apostle Peter was taken from a chunk of iron, if you think about it. He was named Simon. And Jesus sharpened on Simon until the day came when Jesus said, You're no more iron, Simon. You're an axe that can be used in the mighty hand of God. He called him the rock, the one that the church would be built on, the one that the gates of hell would not prevail against. For the rest of the New Testament, every reference to Simon Peter is in that order. Simon first, Peter second. We know and recognize Peter as Simon Peter. As a Christian, I'm in one of two conditions this morning. And you are too. I'm either an axe securely connected to the handle of the master, chopping wood. Or either I am iron, sinking, drifting, and rusting, being salt 
by the master. Mark chapter 14 and verse number 37. This is the account of Peter, James, and John going into the garden with Jesus as Jesus prayed. He stopped off with those three men and he said, I want you men to stay here and pray with me for one hour. I'm going right over there. I know I can count on you. Jesus went and prayed. He came back in Mark chapter 14 and verse number 37 says, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. I never saw this before, but he didn't talk to them. He saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Do you see anything odd with Jesus' statement to Peter in this passage? This is the account of Peter, James, and John praying with Jesus before the next day he'd go to Calvary's cross for our sins and theirs. Look closely who Jesus addresses when he comes back to check on them. It's Peter. He says, sleepest thou, which is a singular word. I believe Peter was supposed to be the sharpest of the three. I believe he was supposed to be the rock. I believe he was supposed to be the point man. Peter, if you sleep, they sleep. Peter, if you pray, they pray. Peter, if you lead, they follow. More importantly than that, I saw something in the scriptures. 29 times in the New Testament, you'll see Peter referred to as Simon Peter in that order. You might say, iron axe. He's referred to as Simon Peter. Iron axe all 29 times. Until you get to this verse. And when Jesus came back from praying and came up on Peter and saw him sleeping, he didn't see Peter. He saw Simon Jesus, in verse number 37 of Mark 14, came up on Peter and said, Peter, comma, Simon. In this account, Jesus had to call him Acts first because that's what he'd worked so hard to make him into. But then he had to look at him and see who he really was in that moment. Peter, I can't call you. I can't call you Peter right now. I've got to call you what you are, man. You're iron. You don't let some things come in and you, and you drift it a little bit. You're iron. If the Lord walked into my garden this morning, does he call me by my fleshly name today because that's where I'm at? Does he call me iron first and then ask because I'm a spiritual man going to work for everything I can working for him? Or does he have to call me? Paul, you was a Christian. I got to call you. I got to call you iron today, son. The altar's open this morning. I think it needs to be full of handles that need some work on them. This don't mean you've gone off the deep end. This just means you're doing like I am with that hammer there. You're just lazy. Things come into our lives. We allow things to creep in. I believe the altar needs a visit from, from some people that's been pulled down by the river of life, whatever that looks like. That Jordan is flowing. I believe some Christians ought to hit the altar this morning and ask for some strength to keep reaching into those murky waters and retrieving some fallen 
axe heads. Tim, you go ahead and sing, brother. The altar's open this morning. Let the Lord move as he will. borrowed? Wasn't he in the middle of cutting his own beam for the building? I think the unwritten part of this story may be the best it is for me. Of course that man polished that iron back up the way it was when he borrowed it. Of course he sharpened the edge of that sword, that sword sharpness on the edge of that axe. Of course he put it on a brand new dependable handle. Of course he went back to work with that axe. 
Of course he finished cutting his own beam and contributed to the building. Of course he returned it to the owner better than when he had borrowed it. He didn't just show that axe head up. He held it up and ultimately built it back up and made it strong again. Of course Jesus wasn't finished with Simon. He polished Simon back into Peter. Of course he used Peter to complete the job that he started. Of course Peter was returned better than when Jesus had barred him three and a half years earlier. He didn't show Simon up. He didn't just show him up. He didn't just hold him up. He built Peter back up. Read the book of Acts where thousands were saved at the hands of Peter's ministry. It all started with somebody that had some life experience that decided to toss a stick in the water and bring something that was down back to the surface. Are we going to let God use our brokenness to help others? Or are we too afraid of the Jordan River for fear of failure? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. There may be somebody in the building who's never trusted Christ as your Savior today. You're in the worst place an axe head could possibly be because yours is not going to end well when you take that last breath. Lord wants to save you today and put you in a place in your life where you can appreciate the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you to help you through the tough times of life. And as a bonus, He's going to give you eternal life. But there's so much more to this life than waiting on the eternal life, as Andrew reminded us. It's working, it's laboring, it's putting in the effort to be the best we can be. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit working from the inside out. You want to be saved today, bow your head and bow your heart before God. And say, Lord, I am a sinner. I am on rock bottom and I'm on my way to hell without you. Lord, I want to be saved. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again three days later. And I believe he went back to heaven, giving me power to conquer death, hell, and the grave. I want to be saved. I want you to rule my life and put me together in a way that can be used for your honor and glory. Amen. Thank you this morning. Let's close in prayer. I just want to challenge you. Next few weeks and months at faith. Doesn't matter, as the pastor said, if it's he's alive or it's judgment journey or whatever it is. We need some axemen that just pick up an axe and do whatever you got to do to get here and go to work. And when it fails and goes wrong, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Stay the stuff. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the simplicity. Thank you for the clarity that you can bring if we just seek after you. Lord, I pray that it will not be something that tickled our ears today, but it will be something that changed our hearts, Lord. I've listened deep down. Thank you for grinding on me this week on my edge. Thank you for beating on my axe head again to make it into something that can be pleasing to you be used for your honor and glory. We love you, praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.